Welcome back, listeners. We have another episode of Caffeinated Innovation. Jen, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah? Caffeinated? <laughs> I'm, I hope so, you know. <laughs> This, as our listeners know, we often record these in the afternoon, and sometimes we hit that three o'clock slump. And I, I think sometimes Jen and I uh, will will have to partake in a little more caffeine even later in the day. Even though we know, listeners, your preference is of course right. morning caffeine. Get your innovation. You're listening on. right at seven a.m. when the episode launches. I know it. <laughs> well, we're so excited to have our next guest with us from Pit Moss. We have Brian joining us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So we want to, of course, learn all about Pit Moss. We want to learn about your background and your connection with Innovation Works. But first, before we begin, we ask all of our guests. And so I'm hoping you can enlighten us with kind of a glimpse into your preference, right? <laughs> so what is your favorite form of caffeine? And we ask that because, of course, we're called Caffeinated Innovation. <laughs> so we have to know what keeps you caffeinated to innovate. So for me, it is, uh, it's like a straight dark roast with a little bit of maybe like vanilla flavor and uh, two creams. Ooh, yum. And I just learned up in Canada, we just signed a new distributor there. They call it a double-double. If you go into Ooh. any Tim Hortons anywhere, double-double, they know it's double cream, double sugar. Haven't done that yet, but I'm going to try gonna the double-double. I'm going to start double. doing that everywhere. Yeah. That's pretty – I mean, it's a very specific drink order. Now, yeah, it is. Now, see, Brian is sitting here with a commonplace coffee cup, which, as listeners know, it's one of my favorite places. Do they offer you the double-double or how did that work? <laughs> I, I didn't ask. I just no. asked for the vanilla shot in okay. there and then did my own cream. So. Uh, there you go. Yep. <laughs> you go. Mm-hmm. Jen, what's your favorite form of caffeine? So I've been going to Bean Through in Shaler. A lot. Okay. Um, and they're a drive through coffee little – I don't even know what to call it. It's like a little house on Route 8. And uh, I've just been ordering a latte, but they give you a little chocolate-covered espresso bean on the side. And I'm kind of obsessed with it right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. fancy. I know. I expect nothing less from you. <laughs> there you go. Right. It's my thing for the week. We'll see what happens next week. <laughs> what about you, Pam? Well, Jen, so now that we've made it through the summer, which makes me actually very sad to say that, you know, one of the things I really enjoy anytime when I took a road trip over the summer, and I actually have been doing this for much of my life, I really enjoy getting a large iced tea to take on the road. Mm. And that really extends my energy throughout the ride uh, or drive, I should say. And of course, it increases the number of times I need to make a stop on the trip, <laughs> but that's okay because it's just like it's a nice treat to have a really mm-hmm. large, whether it's from Starbucks or wherever along the road, uh, to um, you know caffeinate myself along along the way. I love it. Yeah, cool. you know, gotta keep it simple for those long drives. Okay. <laughs> so, Brian, let's get into Pit Moss and your background. I don't like to talk about myself so much, but I have a we're very broad background. Yeah, well, we're going to force it today, Brian. All right. So, um, yeah, I've got a broad background. I got engaged with Pit Moss through Blue Tree Allied Angels as an angel investor. Um, I made uh, my initial uh, uh, money to become an angel investor through a company called Rentway, which started in Erie. 
Um, I'm an Erie guy originally, and it's a small company that we started in the rent-to-own industry. We went public, uh, grew to about 1,200 stores, and then sold the rent center which is the biggest in the industry. Awesome. Um, so I was there about 15 years. That was my first uh, foray into entrepreneurship. I actually have a software engineering background, and I was the CIO at that company. Um, so I've worked in, uh, I've started a couple other businesses, uh, exited one or two others. I've volunteered at uh, Tall Ship Organization, the flagship Niagara up in Erie. So I know a little bit about the tall ship industry. And uh, now I've been in horticulture with Pit Moss for about three years. Mm. So uh, I've got a pretty broad background. Yeah. Um, doing angel investing, some coaching, and uh, starting companies as well. So what's the connection, though, between the, you said the IT space right before, and now Pit Moss, of course, is more agriculture, horticulture. So what's the connection for you? It's it's really kind of a long story, but I'll be quick about it. Um, <laughs> as an angel investor with Blue Tree, most people don't know this, but Pitmoss is actually a restart. So it was a company that had kind of a false start, run, ran out of capital. Um, our angel group was invested in it. And uh, I was asked to come down to evaluate it and see if it was worth a restart or not. Um, so I did that. I brought a couple other uh, friends of mine and business partners. And we all looked at it and we found out that the product was even more fantastic than what we thought when we invested in it. Um, but we needed to restart the company. So I helped to build a business plan and a business case around the restart. And I presented it to our angel group and they said, great, like we want to help fund that. We want to get that started. Uh, who are we going to get to run it? And I said, well, we need to recruit somebody. And they said, well, we'd like to recruit you. <laughs> so that's uh, that's really kind of how it happened. And at the time, there was an interim CEO at the company. And um, we put together a cap plan to like restart the company. And that's how how I uh, ended up moving to Pittsburgh from Erie. Pittsburgh to Erie to Pittsburgh. Tell us about that. So they're a little different, right? There's yeah, a lot of different stuff going on, right? Uh, Both Western PA, but sure, very different. different. Stuff Erie is a beach community, and beach normally this community? time of year, yeah. beach. Yeah, uh -huh. normally this time of year, I would be uh, super, super tan if I weren't working so much at at Pit Moss, and if I were up in Erie. Um, Every place in area you can get around in 15 minutes. I've learned that is absolutely not the case here in Pittsburgh. Um, it's taken me a couple of years, but I, when I lived in Erie, my perception of Pittsburgh was I can see it, but I don't know how to get there. There's either a bridge or a mountain or a river or something I need to navigate. Um, now I can honestly say I can get around most of Pittsburgh pretty quickly. So. Yeah. That's so funny. You say, you know, in Erie, it takes only 15 minutes to get from place to place here. Not as much. I am a boomeranger, as is Jen. So, and both of us actually didn't grow up here either, but both of us are from areas that are heavily, heavily trafficked. And then even when you moved to New York and when I moved to D.C., crazy amounts of traffic also. So I still think Pittsburgh is is relatively easy to get from point A to point B when one side of the city and other. But it's interesting to hear your perspective. Of, well, most, well, most time of day, I think you're right. I mean, yeah. you just hit the timing wrong and what could be like you're a 30-minute oh, drive yeah. is an hour and a half. Right? Oh, for so, sure. For sure. Yeah, But that's true in any, any yeah. major metro area. Yeah. Right? And it's just so, interesting to hear that the opposite, yeah. right? Because I... Yeah. I feel like upon moving back, I thought, oh my God, it's so easy to get everywhere. It's amazing. 
that's been three and a half years, but <laughs> I, I still don't. Yeah. I don't know. I'll tell you the one other thing I love about Pittsburgh is like, as an older East coast city, I love that there are these micro communities within the larger mm-hmm. city of Pittsburgh yeah. and every area has its own like distinct kind of flavor to it and restaurants and things like that. I, I really love that about Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue. So where, so Pitmoss is located in Ambridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, was fortunate enough to visit with Brian at Pitmoss headquarters in what was it the early summer I think late spring and really phenomenal facility but so why Ambridge and tell us a little bit about what what happens at the facility yeah uh well it's really kind of funny but our founder Mont um uh Mont Hanley is a guy that invented Pitmoss and there's a really cool story behind that um Mont was looking for places to manufacture in Pittsburgh he actually gave up on it because he couldn't find a facility um in a reasonable price range so he started to look at Ohio to look for places well the owner of our building so we rent our building actually did a Craigslist listing from his hometown in Ohio and didn't realize that he had to put it on a different location to rent the space in Ambridge. So he couldn't get the place rented and couldn't figure out why. Mont, like, just out of the blue, happened to be looking in Ohio and then found the place in Ambridge to move to. So, um, yeah, we have a wonderful space. We have a great landlord that doesn't know how to use Craigslist that well. But (laughs) um, other than that, uh, it's been a really great community for us. And, uh, you know, I drive up and down the Ohio River all the time and uh, just really love that part of the city. Mm-hmm. And you actually, you had mentioned to me when we met in the early summer that you've been trying to do a lot to work with the local community, right, in in Ambridge. So can you tell us a little bit more th- about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, being a manufacturing town, really, and uh, it's an old steel town, there's actually still a mill in Ambridge. Um, And uh, like we're always trying to recruit people locally to work for us. Um, So we've actually done some job programs with Ambridge High School um, for students there to really kind of introduce them to the workforce. And they'll just do some basic work around the the shop for us, packaging, cleaning, things like that. Um, And we've had a really, really successful program with the high school there, Um, you know, bringing students in and teaching them really basic job skills. I love that. It sounds like our startable program. Yeah. But, you know, so I don't know if you're familiar with our startable program, but, and for listeners too. So our startable program teaches teens, generally 13 to 18, about entrepreneurship and how to be a maker. So students will come in for an immersive experience, spring-ish, close to summer through the end of the summer. They'll work in a team. They'll create a product that addresses a problem and they'll learn the skills of being an entrepreneur and and being a maker and also the life skills of pitching and how to ask for funds and and all of the pieces that an entrepreneur, as you know, has to really channel in order to be successful. And so it sounds like a very similar type of program of how do we engage young people and students and this is a career path that they could take post high school. So- yeah, I love what cool. you're doing. Maybe yeah. there's some opportunity for some synergy. For sure. Absolutely. Some collaboration. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I just love hearing that so many of our startup entrepreneurs are working in the in their communities, communities around around southwestern Pennsylvania. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great synergy for us because like we source almost all of our materials locally. Mm. We sell a lot of it locally. Mm. Um, 
we really are uh, our bigger vision for the company is to have facilities that are locally um, developed mm-hmm. in different metro areas. And it can really be a, a, a little micro ecosystem mm-hmm. to recycle material and grow plants out of it. Uh, that's really great. So, you know, when I'm looking at your website, the words that I see a lot are local, sustainable, upcycled, recycled. Um, can you talk about what the product actually is? I'm sure a lot of the, our listeners actually know what it is because, you know, Pit Moss was on Shark Tank and, um, you know, so people have heard about it and, you know, you have a great website presence, but can you talk a little bit more about what it is? Sure. So, uh, and I'll incorporate a little bit of Mont's story and how he developed it. So um, today people typically grow in peat moss based products. Um, peat is actually a mined product that comes out of bogs, mainly out of Canada or Russia today. Um, what people don't know is that there's terrible carbon emissions with peat mining, uh, really similar to burning coal for every layer of peat that you mine. Um, and it's funny because green thumbs in the horticulture industry, we love using it to grow plants, thinking we're doing all this positive stuff for the environment, and we're putting it in one of the worst things we could put it in, right? Um, so that is really the standard for the industry. It's been that way for like 70 or 80 years now. Um, Mont had read about that in an old Sierra magazine, like back in the 70s and 80s. And he thought to himself, there's got to be a better way than to use this peat-based stuff. Um, Really through like kitchen experiments using like blenders, food processors, that sort of thing. He started to chop up newsprint. He started to mix it, um, played around with trying to create the precursor to the product that we have today. Um, And I'll talk a little bit about that compared to Pete. And this is, it's fascinating for me because I didn't know this four or five years ago before I kind of started with the company and invested. Um, But, but um, Pete naturally uh, repels water. Peat moss does. Most people don't know that. So you have to add a wetting agent to get it to hold water. Um, there's really poor aeration. So roots typically wouldn't grow in it. So we add perlite to it. We need to actually mine and bake the perlite. That's the li- little white popcorn looking stuff that you see in your oh, soil, right? I always wonder what that um, is. And it's mm-hmm. called perlite. It's to add aeration because normally peat would be too dense. Trivia. Um, that's what we can all tell people during the Yeah, day. absolutely. <laughs> so um, it's too acidic. Peat, when it comes out of the ground, is really, really acidic. Mm. So we have to add lime to it to raise the pH. And it's a dead soil because it's so wow. acidic, there's no microbes in it. So now people are doing things like adding mycorrhizae to it just to get to like uh, create organics in the soil. So it's just kind of funny, but like if 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 I told you that for the first time and you didn't know those things, so why would I grow a plant in something that repels water, is too dense, is a dead soil and it's too acidic? Like like what would even cause you to think that that would be good to grow plants in? So Mont um, knowing all of that stuff really thought about like what could I create? And uh, initially using newsprint, but today we actually use all kinds of different kind of waste paper. So we're really kind of expanding the waste streams we can use. Um, What we do is we fiberize paper. We use some cardboard today as well. We fiberize it into really, really tiny fibers, and then we mix it into little particles. And what what's super unique, this is the tech part of what we do, is no one else really fiberizes paper, then reconstitutes it into these particles. We actually have some patents pending around what we're doing there and how we do it. 
it's super important because it adds the water holding capacity of paper, like a paper towel, but it creates aeration and a lot of airspace for roots to grow. And air, and um, plants need that combination of water and air exchange in order to be able to absorb nutrients. Um, it's also a really good carbon source, and we get natural biological activity because it's pH neutral. So it's almost like using a compost as well. Um, so Mont was really brilliant in terms of looking at materials that could be used and then how to process it to add all those positive properties that peat naturally doesn't have. So, you know, from our point of view, we know our product works better than the other products on the market. It's almost like a no brainer. Like, why are we using this old stuff that naturally wouldn't be good for growing plants? And it's actually really bad for the environment. Like, why would you use that? Right. So, sorry, a lot of things you said struck uh, struck me and and really have kind of left a left a mark. The fact that Mont started and tested and created the prototype using what did you say a food processor, food processor, blender, and a blender mixers, uh, like all kind of kitchen, kitchen in equipment. his kitchen. Like yeah, talk about what a unique entrepreneur. Really, probably not unique, but such an entrepreneurial experience. Right of let me use a product in my kitchen. Yep. To make a pilot, to pilot this product, right, a prototype rather, and to really like bootstrap the concept, right, of I can use what I have and for something that's not even the goal of the food processor or the blender. Right. But it sounds like that's a new market for the KitchenAid Cuisinart <laughs> <laughs> companies out there, right? Of You may be able to use this to prototype your startup, right? See, Alpha Lab Gear didn't know they need to expand their kitchen area, right? We, exactly, exactly, we should. Maybe this is also <laughs> even some sponsorship opportunity, mm -hmm. right? We need to be tapping into the, the food, uh, what are what are they called? The the kitchen electronics. Kitchen appliance. Yeah. Kitchen appliance Industry, market, yeah. yeah. Totally. I, I like For it. Sure. We'll add some Can to the workshop, that? right? Can you sell that? Oh, uh, uh, always. Come on. Maybe <laughs> Bosch has even Ooh. our friends at Bosch who have been really kind mm. in supporting our uh, the workshop at Off Lab Gear, maybe they even have some food processors and blenders that could be used for some <laughs> other product, right? That, again, uh, many things really left a mark, but that was really interesting that he really kind of the simple focus of mm -hmm. I have a product at home that could help me test this and mm -hmm. see if it works. Yeah. I'm also really interested in, and I, I feel like, I don't know if it's millennials or just people right now thinking about the life cycle of products that they're using. Um, you know, we talk about diamonds in that way and wanting to make sure they're sourced from the right place. Um, is it easy for you to sell pit moss to people and to companies because you're kind of like, hey, this is a no-brainer. Uh, this is what you should be using instead. Look at this long list of reasons you shouldn't use this. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what does it look like to sell pit moss? Well, so it's interesting because it is kind of a no-brainer. When mm. you explain what I explained to you guys, totally. people are like, well, logically, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> that makes sense. But think about who we're selling to. We're basically selling to a farmer, whether they're growing vegetables or a flower that they sell, right? Um, and the challenge that we always have in selling our product is it's so different that people don't want to automatically switch to it, right? So they're, boy, can you grow in paper? And we're saying, what do you mean? Who would think you could grow in peat moss, right? Um, but the point is, if you think about a farmer and you go to a farmer and say, hey, here's a brand new fertilizer or a brand new seed, switch your entire crop over to this, 
that farmer's going to say, there's no way I'm going to do that. It's my livelihood, right? So we see that we've got a fairly long sales cycle where we got to get people to actually try it first. And then they get results and they don't believe how good the results are. And then they say, okay, great. Now I'll expand my trial. And then at that point, they'll start to buy like a truckload or multiple truckloads from us. So um, it, it actually does, it's a longer sales cycle than we would like to see happen. Um, but we're now getting to a point where we've been around long enough and we've got enough customers that some people will just try it right out of the gate. Um, but that that would have never happened like two or three years ago. That's awesome. So it sounds like you've really built trust around you know, sure. the product. Yep. So you just mentioned farmers, and but what are some of the other customer uh, what, what's the rest of the customer base for Pit Moss at the moment? And then I guess depending on what it is now, what's the, what's the long-term goal? Yeah, so we sell uh, we sell through three channels now. We sell direct to horticulture growers, like greenhouse growers mainly. Um, our product's still a little expensive to be able to sell to actual farmers to put in their field, but we'd like to get there someday. Then we sell wholesale through uh, home and garden centers, through uh, local home and garden centers. People ask us all the time about going to big box. Uh, we'd really prefer not to. We really want to support the local businesses. They're the local home and garden centers. Uh, so we sell through those guys. And then we also sell direct to consumer on our website as well as Amazon. And our main products are these growing products that um, people can grow plants in. Um, but we've had different use cases. We've actually, through our customers, found out that it's really good for animal bedding. So we actually have the Canadian equestrian horse jumping champion that will only use our product <laughs> That's now. That's awesome. Um, it's really cool. Um, and uh, uh, in addition to that horse, we have many others. We have people with worm casting businesses that raise worms and create worm castings. They use it for bedding for that. Um and then most recently, um, coming out of the horse bedding, people that owned horses also happened to have chicken coops, and they tried it for bedding for their chickens. Um, and the thing that they found is if you're ever around any kind of chicken farms, they smell just terrible. And our product really absorbs the ammonia really, really well. And so people are now using it for bedding and um, for their chicken coops. Uh, and we actually have people really all over the world that want our product for chicken coops, which is amazing to us. It wasn't even like a use case we contemplated. And that came from our customers trialing it for that purpose. Huh. Who would have thought? Yeah, exactly. I like it. It just, it sounds like it's such a broad reach, right? So mm -hmm. I, I, you know, recognizing it's still early, but you're, you're able to work with kind of the initial consumer, right, of the local home and garden stores and ideally long-term some of the farmers, right? But yep. what about any, uh, what is it, I guess some of the entities throughout kind of either government or other public spaces that may have large, you know, swaths of land, right? Whether it's yeah, yeah. through like transportation networks or airports, or you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of those that have, you know, these large, you know, areas of land. Is that yep. something of interest also? So one thing that we're really, we would love to find a partner to help us with, we have learned that 50% um, of uh, retention ponds fail, when they're engineered. And part of the reason that we have been told is because they need like wet, wet water plants that can grow in them. 
And especially in starting those, it's, it's difficult to do. Using our product to build retention ponds to blend in with the soil can help retain water really well and allow those plants to grow. So um, that's a use case we really haven't experimented, but really it could be used in civil engineering for any anyone building a parking lot today or a highway where you need retention ponds. So that's one use case. Um, you had asked earlier about the bigger vision, but... One of the things that I'll talk about related to that and the chicken coop or using it for animal bedding that has come out of that is all of those animals defecate in their bedding, right? And that is naturally a fertilizer where our product wouldn't normally have a fertilizer. Now, we actually use some poultry manure in our organic product. So that's the other thing that we found is instead of people needing to really haul away their manure or their chicken bedding, because a lot of times people use wood products for that, because our product will break down faster, it can actually be used and spread on your fields much, much quicker, and you can compost it faster than paying someone to haul away like your wood chips or straw or whatever with the manure in it. So like the bigger, broader vision is like we think about how much food waste there is in every metro area, and that's all compostable material, right? Our product's a really good carbon source. So if you think about it, um, if you think about the waste stream in a major city, you can have a bunch of food that you're composting that could turn into nutrients mixed with your paper waste that you can turn into pit moss and combine those two. And really like not leaving your metro area, you have your soil, your fertilizer, everything is made from like waste product locally in every major metro area. And that would be the bigger vision. Why would we want to haul in peat from Canada or cocoa core from India? Like when we've got all this waste stream that we can really use locally every day. Well, for all our friends in local government, <laughs> you heard it here. Got someone here who could help you out, who could really support you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Pit Moss is an Innovation Works portfolio company. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, your relationship with our team has been? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd love to. I mean, one of the things coming from Erie and moving to Pittsburgh – like a lot of people don't realize that Innovation Works is part of the Ben Franklin network. So I knew a lot of people in Erie and State College in Ben Franklin. And um, coming in and knowing that Pitt Moss was already supported by IW is a huge boost. Like when you go out to raise money from other funders in particular, IW is almost like a stamp of approval where people know that you've already been screened, you've got some mentoring, you'll have a business plan. Like a lot of the, the, the hard groundwork that IW does really early on, uh, working with entrepreneurs really helps set you up much better. Like once you're ready to really grow and scale your company. Um, IW is fantastic for like early stage funding, but not only that, the mentoring that we just talked about, um, the network working events for me moving here from somewhere else has been incredibly supportive because I get to meet other people in the Pittsburgh ecosystem through IW. Uh, talking to the other IW CEOs in particular, um, and we all have common problems being startups. Uh, 
sometimes we don't like to listen to mentors, but we like to listen to peers, right? So it's always good to be able to network that way. So I think, uh, I think IW, um, really, really offers much more than just funding, which I think a lot of people think about. Um, but it's really much broader than just funding that IW is able to offer entrepreneurs. That's great. Is there uh so have you worked with someone specifically on staff? Um, we've actually worked with a couple different people okay. like over the years. Um, but I, I've actually known many of the IW people through my work at Blue, Blue Tree, Tree. Okay, in the yeah. past. So uh, even though I don't work with Larry Miller a lot, he's been like super helpful to me because I knew him through uh, through Blue Tree. Um, Afshan is uh, our our newest rep that works with us. Knows yeah. a lot about manufacturing. Oh yeah, uh, she's helped us out quite a bit. Um, before that, uh, Larry Weedman was here. Mm-hmm. He helped us quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we've really worked with a bunch of different people at IW. You and uh, and it's been really great. Actually, working with more people is better because you get different points of view. You get you know other ideas and, and expanded network by doing that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Sure. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about Blue Tree? Since you know you, yeah. we have a rep here from Blue Tree, we yeah. we are having we do have Catherine Mont on another episode of yep. the podcast this season. Um, but I think it'd be awesome to hear you know. What is Blue Tree? What you know? What do you do as an angel investor with Blue Tree? Yeah, so um, I'll I'll toot Catherine's horn for her because she <laughs> loves so much. But um, the reason that I joined Blue Tree, Catherine expanded the group into Erie about ten years ago, and that is when I first met her. And Catherine, for people that don't know. Um, she started this angel group in Pittsburgh when there were very few going in the United States. Um, she's really been the chair of the Angel Capital Association, which is really kind of the uh, the group for all angel groups throughout the U.S. And uh, angel investing has exploded in the last 10 years, but Catherine really is an industry vet. She's very, very reputable. Um, and she works with a ton of other angel groups throughout the U.S. She's helped start a bunch of other angel groups. Uh, so she's very selfless that way, um, really knows best practices. And that's what attracted me to the group in the first place. Um, and really, even in my time with Blue Tree, I have had other people from other groups, uh, people in uh, York, PA, people from Buffalo, uh, will reach out to me or Catherine, and they're they're talking about their process and their practices and how can they improve those. Um, even some groups in Canada that we'll work with. Um, r- really, I mean, she is one of the leaders in that industry, um, and really, um, you could not ask for a better respected person to have right here in the Pittsburgh market to help support companies. Uh, really, just like IW in a lot of different ways. We don't do quite the mentoring that IW would, but we'll help people syndicate and get funding from other groups, uh, you know, cooperate a lot with other angel groups um, and really do coach entrepreneurs more on the funding part of what they're trying to do. Um, And similar to IW, I know entrepreneurs that once they get funded by Blue Tree, they know they can go out to other angel groups and syndicate. Um, And uh, it's been a great group to help entrepreneurs on that front. Some good cross promotion right there for a few of our episodes, right? Some Blue Tree with Catherine, more about Pit Moss, the region. I like it. (laughs) Pittsburgh. I think, though, that is just Pittsburgh and southwestern Pennsylvania and western Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania, right? Like we – 
it's a big state, but, you know, we're all connected and especially the startup communities, we're all just trying to help each other, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. So as an entrepreneur who had a lot of success with previous with previous ventures, now really taking, and for a few years, of course, but taking the the leadership and, and the direction of Pitmoss forward, what advice do you have that you can pass on to fellow entrepreneurs who are starting out or may similarly be jumping from one experience to a new one? Mm-hmm. What What is that like and what's the advice you have? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting because if you would have asked me that question before Pitmoss, I probably would have answered it a little differently. But the one thing that I really, really 100% believe in, especially after seeing Pitmoss, and there was a little bit of a false start and we needed a restart. And I would say um, for entrepreneurs, really, I mean, people tell you this all the time, but really, really prove out your product and your market and your sales process. Really, really prove that out. Know that you've got good product market fit and that you've got customers while you're really early, while you're bootstrapping. And don't really go out and get money until you really know your market and you're ready to scale. Because I think in my opinion, what happens probably too often is entrepreneurs look for that money a little too early and they get the money and then they do a lot of this stuff that they should have done already, right? So if they're using that money to scale their business, it's way easier at that point to grow, to get additional investment if needed and grow your business. When you get money too soon, you can start to misapply that capital and then you get to the point where either you run out of capital or you need to restart things. And then it's much, much harder to go out and raise capital once that has happened, right? So my my really strong advice would be bootstrap early, really learn your product market fit. And then when you're ready to do all of those things super well, when you're ready to scale, go out and then try to raise the capital that you need to grow your business. That's such great advice. I don't actually think we've heard that from any of our guests, either first season or during second season about the process for, you know, raising capital and and the process. And so, uh, yeah, that's phenomenal advice. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that probably comes from, you know, your, your background as an angel investor, you're coaching companies like that all the time, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. So our final question is where can we find you? Where can we find Pit Moss online? Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, our website's super easy. It's pitmoss.com. Two T's, two, T's. two S's, right? Yeah. Two T's, two <laughs> S's, Um, All of our social media is Grow With Pitmoss. So uh, uh, on Instagram, it's at Grow With Pitmoss. Facebook is Grow With Pitmoss. So everything w- that we do on social is Grow With Pitmoss, not necessarily just Pitmoss. Well, Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed learning more about Pit Moss and all the great things you're doing, both from an agriculture and horticulture experience, but also helping to teach young people about job opportunities within the community and also your great advice on how to raise capital and, and what entrepreneurs should really be looking for in that growth process. So yeah, thank thanks you. for having me. And I, we really appreciate what I, IW has done for us and all the entrepreneurs here in Western PA. It's really a great organization. Innovation Works is the Southwestern Pennsylvania Ben Franklin technology partner. Music created by Ethan Ziegler, Startable alum. Special thanks to our season two producer, Sidekick Media Services.